I'm Alexandra Kreis and you're listening to Outer Travel in a Journey. Journeying now for 30 years into the life and practice of yoga, I have met many who have taken interesting turns when past extraordinary bumps and reached unexpected places. People with whom I shared conversations about everyday struggles, intimate realizations, larger questions, ideas and dreams. So today, I'm passing on the mic to one of them so we could hear and celebrate the wisdom in people's differences and experiences. Hello, welcome back to Outer Travel in a Journey. Here's Alexandra with my new guest today on the show. And I do this again. <laughs> I know this is happening to me too. I'm glad it's not only me. <laughs> okay, three, two, one. Welcome back to Outer Travel in a Journey. On my show today, I have Sabina Rademacher. Hello, Sabina. Hello, Alexandra. Nice seeing you here. Thank you for coming and joining us today on this hot summer day. <laughs> is it hot where you are? It definitely is, and I'm so happy for that. Yeah, we're also relieved <laughs> for that one thing. For those who don't know Sabina, she is currently based in Germany, in Munich, but she is a lover of the world and has lived in many different places, I understand, and sees yeah. herself more as a global world citizen, if one can say that. And we wanted to talk about love today because Sabina is an expert or she's made it her heart content to help people along on the subject of love and intimacy as a coach as such. Is that right, Sabina? Have I summed that Absolutely, up? yes. It is a mm. big passion. I made my passion to my work, yeah. Yeah. Where did that happen? When? How? How? Gosh, I'm trying to put this into a short version of, because I feel like it has been a long version. Um, it actually started way back with my children. And when they started to bring their friends to ask me about love and saying to their friends, you can't speak with my mom about love and sexuality. Then I didn't think anything because I was living in Spain and I just thought, okay, this is what it is because maybe Spain, you know, Catholic. But then it was fast forward 15 years later, working in, in England with young people and not so young people. So in their late 20s, maybe in beginning of 30s, and they were starting to ask me the same question. Hmm. And in the same time, I was coaching CEOs in intercultural leadership, international leadership. And in that coaching, they started to talk with me about their love problems with their partners. So I felt like, okay, what's here the purpose? And mm. fast forward then five years ago, I just thought, okay, this is my passion. And I just jumped. So from becoming this intercultural business developer coach, I went straight into my passion and I don't look back. Mm. It's giving you quite a lot. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it, it is the most beautiful thing I can think of. I feel really connected. For me, it is um, the deep belief I always were holding is 
we don't make peace on this earth until we make peace among the gender. And it's not happening yet, but every time I can coach a couple, every time I can support an individual in finding self-love to understand mm -hmm. how to do the relationship better, I just feel the joy when they wake up. It's like really an awakening. Mm. Because they and learn to... You, yes, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. Um, no, no, have you studied any methods around it? Or is this just intuitively something that you picked up and that you talk about? Or is there um, something you refer to even, like in your own learning curve to, to bring this back home to others? I think it's a mix of everything, Alexandra. Um, I have done so many courses, so many. I mean, also I'm a coach, I'm an official accredited coach from the Association of Coaching in UK. But all my life I have done work on myself constantly, constantly, mm. constantly. And I have been a yeah, kind of a coach for consciousness for many, many years in America. Um, And I have learned with many different people, Rene, Rene Brown and um, the Victim Triangle Consciousness and, and you know, many other, Michael, uh, Diana, Michael Richardson. So that's more in the tantric uh, direction. So I have yeah. learned with so many people, I don't even know whom to name right now. But um, in the end, I think it was also a lot of experience on learning. And the more I started doing it, I feel there's something coming through me. Mm. Uh, it always hits a nail and I don't know where that comes from. So I also feel like there is something I'm given. It may sound strange to some people maybe. For me, it's just a logical continuation of something which I heard because I, I listen a lot to what comes in my meditation and Some years ago, almost 10 years ago, I was told one day you will speak in public about love and sexuality. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what? And here I am 10 years forward. Um, yeah, so I trust yeah. that. I trust that. It's, yeah, it's very hard to, to pick up from where we can go there. I, it's not hard, but it's like there's so many routes we could go <clears throat> with this uh, conversation right now because for those of us who've been on the spiritual path like you for a while, we do learn more and more that love is what people call God, you know, in the religious old tradition fashion way, you know, that love is the base from where we come. And for somebody who might not, you know, be as long on the path, but is interested, that might sound a little bit, as you said, you know, like a little bit off-putting or whatever it is, because we do understand that other people talk about Allah, God, you name it, you know, but they, we are not connected immediately with that. Mm -hmm. There might be a formula to it. Um, but yes, I feel what happened lately, if we want to go and talk to the part of the audience that is familiar with spirituality. I also have a strong premonition that love is coming through much, you know, like much faster and with an urge of changing the world, you know? And so I, I'm just surprised we're talking about it. It's, uh, it's just another aspect of healing to me when I think yes. about love, you know, yes. and intimacy and, 
most of all, as you said, you know, the work you did for yourself, connecting with yourself is the first step that many of us have done and find finding now the rewards of it, you know, by feeling we can trust this path a little bit more. But may I say something here, Alexandra, because I totally agree with everything you say, but the subject love is in the mainstream everywhere. Just mm. look around. We all want love. We're all desperate for love. Look at the huge business about love. I mean, you know, it's, it's amazing how we get sold about, you know, love, love songs, love books, love everything. And everybody wants love. It's one of the biggest yeah. wishes a human being has. We want to belong. We want to be loved. Yeah, and I'm glad you're saying that because that gives me, you know, that to me is the other side of that other people may say, yeah, of course, love is great. But um, um, we're talking about the, how would you say that, the monetized version of love, you know, that kind of everything that seems so rosy. And we know love through these little impulses, the butterflies in the stomach, if you fall in love. And so we can relate to all the, stories or romantic comedies, whatever you want to call it and however you want to purchase it, you know, and most of us know that, you know, if we give to Valentine's a gift of chocolates, it's more a symbolic thing that has nothing in the first place to do with what the two of us want to talk about here right now. So um, from your perspective, as in coaching love and intimacy, what is what are you coming across? What are people struggling with? Well, like we do it all, don't we? We sabotage love. And the sabotage is coming because I believe, and I have experienced it in my own body, I have experienced it nonstop around with all my coaches, is because we literally, we go into a relationship with a lot of expectations. It's like going with an empty shopping chart into the, into the mall and say, okay, give me, give me, give me. And, and that doesn't work because you know what it does do to you. If you would be my partner and I would just go and say, Alexandra, I want this, I want this, give me, give me, give me. One day you would say, hey, you know, backing off. Because love is, that's what I always say. Love is never demand. Love is a gift. It's, it's a state of being. And it starts with myself. So if I don't love myself, nobody can ever love me. Of course, we hear that. It's not my words. We hear that everywhere. You know, it's not based on my wisdom, not at all. Of course, I had to learn it myself. Of course. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Because we all get in kind, we all get educated in a way from our parents from very small on that we feel like we're not fully loved. And we take that piece mm. and we, we, we hook on it and then we stay on it until we unhook it. So that not being loved fully authentically, not because, the, of course, there's all variety of some parents are really abusive and I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about mm. normal parents who do their best. We all make someday a mistake that the, other, the little one is then believing I'm not loved authentically as I am because mm. as a parent I shut shut the person the, the child down or I made him made him or her wrong or whatever so that feeling stays and that mm. feeling is something 
in my coaching, which I look at it as well, because it needs to be worked through to understand, oh my God, that's where, where I got hooked. And to yeah, that. It, I totally agree. And it's not, I mean, it's the upbringing, you know, it's not even the parents where we're not pointing, but it's the upbringing and it's that kind of shadow work that Carl Jung refers to, you know, yeah. somebody yeah. spoke about it in terms of like, you know, we are gifted with a castle when we were born, you know, and the castle has many, many rooms with many, many different things in it. And bit by bit, we close those doors to different gifts or expressions because somebody might have said something that makes us question that. And I'm, you know, and it means at that moment, we close parts of ourselves. Mm. That's what I'm hearing you kind of Yeah, totally say. agree. And thank you for mentioning Jung, exactly. Yeah. And of course, it's the upbringing, but it starts with our caretaker, whoever are the caretakers, so maybe not the parents, but whoever are the our caretakers, and then, of course, it rolls out. Um, yeah, it's, it's very powerful stuff. What, like you say, and as Jung has said as well, as soon as we can see it as the gift again, then it actually unlocks the door to something else, even mm. to some more purpose in our life. Yeah. And that's, I think we all have that gift in given. We just need to remind ourselves and come back to it instead of riding on this victim consciousness in this case of my parents or my caretakers or whoever has done this to me. And then we trigger, we get triggered every time it repeats because of course it's still there. We just shuffled it into the background, but it's still mm. there. Yeah. It's about reclaiming yourself, isn't it? In that yeah. way, kind of loving yourself, reclaiming yeah. yourself, not being afraid. And the other word that you mentioned is of intimacy. And I think that has become a word that's very kind of loaded with, for women with fear, you know, in the, in the light of Me Too and the rising feminism, the new feminism that is rising alongside with it where we're not back with Ali Schwarzer here you know in Germany she was very famous at the time and um, it's not about that uh, purple power or whatever it's called in English you know but um, it's more about like how can we just be who we are and respect that we are who we are as women in our own expression and intimacy and with all the beauty that we bring to the world yeah so that's what, that's what the word triggers in me, but let, maybe you can explain a little bit more from your context because you're deeper in the subject than I am. Yes, I mean, this is absolutely right. There's so much fear still from women to really go deeper into their power. And also they have the expectation, of course, the man needs to know how intimacy really works. And that's not gonna happen. I feel it's totally the opposite. So if you look at history and you look at the history before 7,000 years, before we got into the patriarchism, women were standing in their power and they were leading men to the intimacy. They, they knew and the men of course listened. And this has, of course, the collective consciousness that's gone. So the collective consciousness still is like the man is the kind of, I say it now, you know, the dominator the dominator in bed or the woman needs to surrender or whatever that play is. 
um, the play is still still working out because I was in, I was interviewing young women in in Barcelona in the streets. I was just walking up to them and had a curious question saying, "Do you fake orgasm?" And they were all giggling and saying, "Of course." And I what? said, well, "Yeah." They were said, "Of course." Like, why would you not? Of course, like, like huh? totally okay. surprised. And they were all <laughs> yeah. around 17, 18, because I was really yeah. interested in the young people. And I said, so why do, why would you do that? And they said, well, how do you say, it's kind of saying kindly to them, you know, he's not doing it or just, I don't want to continue and he's doing it so badly. So just finish or fake it. And when I asked them, so why don't you just say the truth? So they and you help him to understand, you know, how, what you really like, but do you know what you really like? And they were puzzled about this. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, if you continue faking, we just continue the consciousness of men would never believe that you fake because after, afterwards I, I interviewed the men in the streets and, um, and you would, we just continue the lie instead of helping them to wake up and to, and to really feel our power and listen what we want. And of course, you ask a man, and what, what do you guess what the answer is? Uh, what did you ask the man? Did they fake the orgasm? They can't. I mean, no, no, no. Did, do you believe that any woman ever faked an orgasm on you? They don't think they do. No, they don't think. Yeah, they think it's true what we're doing, right? Yeah. yeah. And I can understand that because, you know, they get their validation of wanting to be the best lover. Mm-hmm. And that's what thrives into me still, because I feel like instead of being in full presence, they're in the head. And for me, I actually made a podcast once and I got a lot of kind of what? I feel like as long as we're not in presence and in intimacy, it's like a rape. And that's a yeah. strong word, but um, it's true. It is true. If a man is in his head about what he needs to do, how to reach an orgasm, how to make her orgasmic, I mean, where on earth is he? Mm. He's not present with woman and woman Mm. feels that. And that's what she resents. And what I'm hearing you say, though, is that we are contributing from both sides. You know, like, I mean, men, because I didn't get the chance to have these conversations, (laughs) they kind of feel they have to do the same that women do. I mean, more amazing to me is that like young women still fake it. I thought, you know, we had grown beyond that point. I thought that was a thing in the 60s, 70s, you know, and with the awakening revolution of intimacy, but no, we're back in it, right? We're back in the trap. I don't know if you're back or if you're still in it. You know, that's the question. (laughs) That's the question, Yeah. 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 That's the question. But I feel it's just, again, the conversation of um, love and intimacy and sexuality is still such a taboo. And there's, I, I believe if we as parents, young parents, young couples, if they wake up to have a real conscious relationship and they start practicing, they will be the ones as a role model to really help the younger generation to change all that. But I feel like we're still, we're still in the doing and still in the making, we're still in the cooking. Yeah, yeah, it's the, yeah, it's the taboo around it even, you know, like the taboo around passing on that knowledge. If I look back at my own education and upbringing, you know, there was such a hush, hush, hush around 
anything that's concerned around women, like, you know, menstruation, sexuality, you kind of pass it on to the school, the school didn't do the job at the time, you know, these days, we are much more advanced, at least here in Germany, the, the, there's program for kids, so the teacher doesn't need to deliver it, but people that are experts in kind of, you know, how to present it in a way that a child can absorb it properly. So in some ways, we've started the education, but we haven't come and arrived at intimacy, which is actually the um, much more important point that we can express who we are and not fake who we are. Isn't that a little bit, well, the, you know, beyond the physical level to be intimate about what we think, what we like, who we really are, right? Yeah, the authenticity. Yeah. The authentic beingness of oneself, to be really truly present to yourself and then walk your talk, how I call it, you know. But I can only walk my talk if I know where I'm going and who I am. And when I start coaching the people who come to me and they normally come to me first because they're looking for love or they have relationship issues. And I try to kind of, for the cognitive mind, I try to paint them, you know, you need to understand what your needs are and your wants. They're like the guiding stars. Then from there, you understand your values. From there, you understand your healthy boundaries because we don't learn to set them when we go into a relationship either. And from there, we set non-negotiables. But if we don't have us ourselves clear and we can't communicate it, we go like Alice in Wonderland. doesn't matter which way, right? We just go and... And that's not consciousness in my eyes. It's just, mm. yeah, I'm doing my best, of course. We're doing all our best. But there could be so much more beauty in relating, so much more honesty and authenticity. And when you know your values, if you know your needs and wants, if you're, you always speak from the true authentic feeling because you know what it feels like if your needs and wants are not fulfilled or they are fulfilled, I can have a completely different vocabulary as if I just feel there's something triggering me. I don't know what it is because I have no clue and I just act out. Hmm. And then we're nonstop in this response reaction. And that, of course, that triggers the other. And as soon as I teach people to teach, it's not teaching, I just make them aware and we practice how to speak authentically. There are they're, they're so surprised when they go back for a week and then they come back to me and say, you don't believe what happened. Mm. There's no ping pong anymore. They're not, the partner is not going to defense and attack anymore. They're not arguing. And I said, of course not, because if you speak authentically, nobody can ever argue with your authentic feeling. It's only when we say something different, an excuse, an explanation, a story, most of our stories, you know, triggers our stories. But if you speak from the true authentic feeling, people are just, wow, they can't argue. They hear you. Yeah. They can hear you. They start hearing you. Absolutely. And uh, uh, what came to mind is that in, you know, like I met a few people that would always use it in, that's what I'm feeling, that's what I'm, you know, like, and they would almost uh, gag you with them that you have to respect my feelings. And often 
I found that these terminology around like this is what I'm feeling is still not the <laughs> authenticity yeah, you know, yeah, of yeah, what's yeah. really going totally. on. So yeah. we cannot hide behind, you know, even hiding behind these words to manipulate somebody to respect your hurt or whatever it is, you know, it, totally. it's so not real. We're not talking about that, dear listener. We're talking about yeah. a different intimacy here, you know, and an authenticity here, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Even if you listen to uh, nonviolent communication, they say exactly the same way as the same thing. As long as you're saying, I am feeling, you're going into the head. Mm -hmm. If you're really in the feeling, you say, I am. Mm. Mm. I'm happy, I'm content, I'm angry, I'm like children. Look, you just have to observe little children. They're not saying I'm feeling, they're saying I am angry. Mm. And that's the authenticity in there. Yeah, absolutely. How do you help them to take the first hurdle into that? That is quite some coaching you have to do there. I feel like because we do stifle ourselves to get through the world and let's not you know, let's not take this away from <laughs> whoever, you know, we need to, of course, we need to function at times. And there is something like manners and everything, and you can't place it right into your day-to-day -day action with, with the butcher you, you're purchasing something from or so. But what is like, what is your point where you help people to turn around or what you think is a good starting point in learning that and expressing it? Do you mean the authenticity? You're talking about yeah, the and the intimacy. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, the authenticity is first of all a willingness, intention setting, and courage. Um, we have learned to hide. You know, our past in life has taught us to to survive is shutting up or being in a certain way. You know, either we shout like we get angry or we shutting up. So it's different ways of communicating, but um, knowing that I'm not able to speak my authenticity because we got shut up and to really come back to this wisdom and saying, no, I don't want this anymore. I don't want to pretend any longer. I really yeah. want to find myself and I want to find true love in myself with my partner or with the future partner or whatever. I want to be true. I want to live a truth, truthful life. So, of course, I'm speaking to people who really want that. I'm not a mainstream big coach, but people find me who really want to, to do this. Yeah. Yeah. And another picture that came while you were talking is that a lot of women, I don't know whether you deal more with women or with men or with couples, but I have a lot of women around me most of the time and what I noticed uh, there is a tendency of reversing things like I'm powerful and therefore you're afraid of me you know but I think that that's not the truth because as you say you know like when you're authentic then then or do you think men are then afraid of women who are authentic because they're they seem to kind of ooze wisdom and sexuality or anything. No, I believe there's, of course, there's a lot out there which helps us to grow and there's a huge offering. I, I think it's beautiful that it's out there, but I only have seen if somebody's really authentic, that means also being vulnerable. 
mm. and being vulnerable nobody is afraid of having you know somebody in front of you that's not powerful the vulnerability is powerful it's hugely powerful but that doesn't doesn't feel that anybody is shying off from that power in, in the mm. contrary is true it attracts hugely because if i can hear you being vulnerable dear woman or dear man it doesn't matter i can open i can trust mm. but we are so afraid of this vulnerability yeah it's still a battlefield isn't it out there i mean when you come to working women you know and working men it's still that old thing that we talked about right in the beginning we we're just playing roles and it's not only the the role in the office but it's also suddenly the role in the bedroom and in yeah. how to get a man and yeah. all that and i think that's what you kind of summed up as a shopping attitude you know like <laughs> is, yeah. is that right Yeah. Mm. I mean, listen, feminism has helped us a lot. I'm not doubting it. You know, history is grateful for that. But the, the, for me, the true feminism is a gentle power. It's not the copying the masculine to do it that way. You know, I still feel there is a lot of distortion in our beautiful characteristics of feminine and masculine. And as long as we working in or we acting in these distortions, you're not coming to our full power it's just pretending mm. and everything which is pretends you can feel it in the energy i'm not mm. saying that i walk my talk all the time you know of course i'm human i'm playing out my mistakes i'm playing out my triggers but the important is oh here here I go again sorry you know i take, can take it back either in the very moment i notice or some some minutes later or even if it's the day later it doesn't matter but the consciousness or the awareness you said earlier that's what's really behind it mm. and can yeah. i then listen to you until you feel fully understand and can you listen to me until i feel fully understand instead of playing out the triggers and and you know putting the finger out there and then blame you and mm. you blame me yeah that's where that's the game with the pretense because the ego yeah. does not want to be vulnerable the ego does not allow us to go into the authentic feeling yeah, it says so i'm feeling it's but it's not saying i'm really hurt right now and really hurt. Hmm. It becomes a matter of who dares first because until you've tried you you'll never find out whether that works or not. Yeah, exactly. But hmm. once you have experienced it you don't want to give it up anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the beauty of the couples I help with um Yeah, and of course, it's a continuous growth. I mean, I think we're here, as long as we live on this earth, we're growing constantly, isn't it? Yeah. And you said a while back, you mentioned teenagers and younger people that get closed off. And what is your biggest hope or vision around that, that we can, can be intimate in a sense of authentic, you know, with children uh, as parents and maybe as teachers, teachers, whatever, caretakers, you know, what is, do you have a vision, a wish, or however you want to formulate that? 
Well, I wish I would have is that we become aware of what porn does to our youngsters and to our relationships. I don't know hardly any couple who the man is not initially important mm. until they understand what's, what the energy is doing to them and to the couple and to the relationship and to the family. Once they understand that, they don't normally don't watch porn anymore and they become present to what is. Mm. Mm. And I wish, that's my wish, my biggest wish that we would all wake up. I'm not saying to forbid anything or so that's stupidity because mm. you know, the more you forbid something, the more attractive it is. It's just, it's just one version. It's just like, you know, we, we have all these possibilities in life, don't we? And it's just one version. If you want to choose it, go ahead, but be aware there is another possibility which gives you maybe so much more union and intimacy, which we all long for this union of male and female and sometimes even hetero, uh, sorry, homos, you know, homosexual partnership or any other, other partnerships. I'm not saying no, it's necessarily just the hetero, but the union of two bodies together and feeling this deep longing fulfilled is absolutely beautiful whenever you really have experienced it. And we all long for that. Mm. So porn or fantasy world or having a quickie or it just do it, play it. It's like a play, isn't it? But no, there's also a different version. If you want to choose whatever you'd want to choose, mm. you know, but know that it's here. And what makes my heart sink is, Again, being with the youngsters, 15, 16, and the girls feel like they, they watch porn too, by the way. And they feel they have yeah. to behave like that to get mm. a boy. Mm. And that's very sad. Mm. Yeah, when I think of porn as such, you know, for youngsters, I'm not sure what you, if you mean the real porn with real people, but I think the whole cartoon world these days is full of it, you know, like the upthriving cartoon world of mangas. It's like all voluptuous, you know, like fully on women that do the same old stuff all the time, you know, bend forward, you know, but be in your power. Uh, but being in your power is something completely different as a woman, as you said, you know, like with the vulnerability and the creativity that we all and the gentleness and just being the tease and I don't know, you know, and the, and the warrior. <laughs> so. Yeah, that the true power is that one, but I'm not saying you can be truly powerful in yourself and just take on for a day or for some moments in your life or whenever to play that role where consciously, consciously, mm. okay, I'm playing now this role. I want to bend forward and, you know, be that but not because I want to please, not because out of, I want belong, I want love and I do it. So I'm a great sexy person. That's where we are not in our power anymore. Mm. And that's the influence all this kind of variety of porn is doing to our young people. And they mm. can't go anywhere to ask about it and speak about it. And that's the sadness. 
So, Why do you notice that young people are, are getting access to porn? Is it the internet or yeah. what is it? It's mm. if you, you will be surprised because the parents in school, of course, they asked us, how do they, you know, there's millions of ways. Mm. Even if they don't have a mobile phone, they have friends, they told them of, or they have phones. I mean, it's like the drug issue where also parents are sometimes shocked, you know, my kid wouldn't take drugs and then they're maybe involved and stuff like that. It's nowadays they have access everywhere. Mm. And that's really sad. It doesn't have to be mm. in the home of the family home, but they do. Mm. Yeah. yeah, so it's really, it's a different responsibility that you're exploring here, you know, as parents, as people, as adults, you know, the only way I can see is not the road of, you know, for taking back all that, you know, and kind of put a stop sign on it, but just really being in the position of having conversations. Yeah. acting authentically even if you're if you're angry with your child or whatever but if it comes from that authentic place you know it comes from that place and if it, and to to make sure why you are acting in certain ways with your children and in front of your children you know exactly and yeah. taking responsibility for your action and also being able to say i'm sorry yeah hmm. And that's what I mean. The more kids learn the authenticity from their parents, the their, their truth, the trust, because when you're authentic, you create trust in partnership mm -hmm. with parents, with their children, whatever, friends, you know, professionally, it's always the same. But if children then learn this trust, then they're also open to speak with you about almost anything. And they come to you with problems. Mm. And my children have come all these years with their problems mm. to me. Intimacy mm. or not intimacy. Mm. And there could be parents themselves nowadays, so it hasn't happened yet. But um, it's, it's a beautiful past. I didn't do it consciously then. It was just what I did. But mm. it helped me see what I did years later when mm. I started going in schools as well and talk to the youngsters and mm. be with them. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, I have the privilege of course also to be a parent these days and I noticed I was graced with that uh, because my husband brought a kid into the family and at a point where, when I became the whatever mother, <laughs> you know, that uh, extra mother, is uh, because I didn't see her with all these entanglements or oh, she slipped out of my body, you know, and now I have to take care of her. But we're really trying to have this respect for each other as well in, in the intimacy of noticing we're two human beings having a human experience. And, you know, I, I'm a bit ahead and I've kind of taken on responsibility in a certain way. But the intimacy for me is in recognizing your child as a person in the first place, you know, and not somebody who needs to be constantly protected or raised or pushed into a competition of becoming whatever, you know, the next star, the next, let her have her own experience and keep communicating about possibility, as you say, you know, and choices and uh, exploration of different things. Yeah. 
and that's beautiful oil. alexandra mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah it's 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 a gift it's challenging i'm not saying it's easy it sounds mm -hmm. beautiful but it's also like you say you know i make mistakes and then we're in the middle of a you know tantrums again <laughs> and the next thing you have to to think about it and that's also human you cannot just be perfect all the time well we things. are not <laughs> we are definitely <laughs> not <laughs> but even definitely. nature is not perfect you know that's always yeah. my i always look at nature so well, nature is not perfect and it's just accepting as it is so yeah. me too um yeah. we're here for learning and I hope, I so hope that humanity is waking up to a bigger consciousness about how we relate and then really changing that because only that will change the future generation if they can really see us as role models doing it. Mm. Mm. And of course, we can support as much as we can with coaching, with schools or with courses, etc. Um, but I I think it would really change when we be the role models. That's just my belief. Yeah. If we become intimate and authentic and love, unconditional love, so to speak, uh, ourselves, if we kind of radiate that even from moment to moment um, or from one blip and then not, and then again another blip, it will... It will radiate some goodness into the yeah. world and some new understanding. Yeah, I yeah. believe in that too. Mm. Absolutely. And we need to wake up to how we listen to the other, how we demand constantly, how we blame, even maybe just in our head. Instead of being really tuned, and for example, the, the subject again, if, if I feel like you have said something, it hurts me, instead of leashing out, or going in a trigger or in an anger or in a tantrum, I could say, wow, that really hurt me, honey. And what mm -hmm. I would really love right now is actually a hug. It's not that you have to give it to me, but it would be nice. So it's like mm -hmm. a completely different conversation. Yeah. It's taking absolutely. ownership of what's happening in oneself. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's almost a very fine ending to this conversation and before we do end is there something that you want to leave with us the listener an invitation or a thought that has come up in you well the invitation is to really step back into your little child because mm -hmm. that child will always guide you with authenticity so reconnect in whatever way. If you don't know how, what way, then please connect me. I normally give these free meditations away. That's no problem. But feel your inner child again and let your inner child speak the authentic feelings, not what your mind thinks it feels. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, if you want to be guided, you find Sabina's information website etc whatever you want to uh link into facebook see this everywhere as usual everybody is and yeah go and have a look at the show notes and um, get in invited and get excited about yeah. this new possibility and i always uh, give free um 
conversations first. So there's not like you have to jump in a call with me and you get charged. No, not at all. I give many, many free sessions away because I just want to gift other people. I want to experience what it does. So yeah, feel free, please, to contact me. Great. Thank you, Sabina. Thank you, Alexandra. It was such a pleasure. And uh, Beautiful. yeah, hopefully the continuation is coming with some other subjects or whatever. So I would love to. Yes, yes. in many forms. In many and thank forms. you, dear listener. See you next time and hear you next time. <laughs>